Hi there, and welcome along to episode 152 of the JersNet podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans. And the free content doesn't start and end with the podcast, but if you head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can also find a whole host of great information there, including a friendly discussion forum, lots of good articles, match previews, reviews, social media, and also a very informative history archive. So please do head over and check that out. If you're joining us live tonight, Thank you very much for giving us your Sunday evening. It's just gone 9.30 on the 3rd of October. But remember that the podcast is always available for download on a Monday morning. That's wherever you get your podcasts from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and also on Spotify. Please do give us a like and a subscribe if you have not already done so. We're here tonight to talk about uh, a couple of games that Rangers have had this week. Obviously, we, we uh, took on Hibs. Uh, just a few hours ago, three o'clock this afternoon at Ibrox. We'll be taking a look back at that result uh, and also discussing the uh, the game away in Prague from Thursday evening. Um, we're also then going to turn our attention to the off-field uh, incidents that, let's say, that, that came from Prague and, and the really, really sad stories of racism that, once again, we are having to be confronted with. It's just the one guest joining me on the show tonight, but I can guarantee he sat there with a notepad full of notes that would fill at least three or four different guests. It's Dougie from CF3 Loyal. Dougie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I am feeling it tonight. Um, whatever it is, but I am I'm in a more positive mood tonight than I than I am than I was on Thursday night anyway. Ross, what about yourself? How are you doing? Yeah, very good. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I'd say that certainly probably the first half hour, forty minutes of that game, it was the same old story of this season and it was looking like being a really negative night. But uh yeah, it's funny how Ryan Porteous changed things around for us. It did. It changed the game, no doubt about it. And I'm sure we'll go on to talk about the red cards. Um, we've had many of um, opportunities this season to, to play against 10 men. Um, it was still up to us to make it count. And I'm very happy to say that we made it count. Um, otherwise, you'd have seen two very unhappy faces tonight. I'm sure I would have done, yeah. Um, well, let's let's get straight into it then, the, the game against Hibs. And it was, it was clearly, I think, Dougie, going to be the toughest game uh, domestically that we've had all season. Um, Hibs unbeaten until today, looking to go top of the league. Rangers knocked off top spot yesterday when, when Hearts got their result against Motherwell. Um, and the, the lineup comes out you know, an hour, hour and a half or so before the game. And there were definitely a number of changes to that starting 11. Uh, and possibly some surprises in there as well. The likes of Tavernier being dropped uh, for, for Nathan Patterson uh, was, was a big surprise. Scott Wright as well, getting a, only his second start in the league this season, I think it was. So... Um, so some interesting choices, I think, from from Stephen Gerrard. What did you make of that starting eleven? Um, yeah, I'd said to Frankie um, as the team sheet came out that it's very difficult to predict our Rangers starting eleven at the moment. Um, I was surprised because the manager's been publicly saying he's looking for more consistency in our lineup. So um, when that's a thirteenth different front three and sixteen games, um, I was very surprised. But there were some positives in the team sheet. Um, I was delighted to see us choose the same goalkeeper for two games in a row. Um, I was delighted to see Golden back in the team. And I think we've seen against Sparta Prague that we really miss his leadership when he's when he's not there. Um, but one player that I thought was probably unlucky not to make the start in 11 tonight was Kamar Ruff. Um, I feel he's a player who needs a run of games at the moment, um, but I'll certainly take that kind of impact off the bench from him today. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I've, I felt that, but I think that Kamar Ruff is probably our most naturally talented striker. Um, and probably our hardest working striker as, as well. Um, a really clearly very, very talented boy. And it, it, it does feel he was so hampered with injury last year. We saw flashes of, of his ability. 
but I don't know this season when he's when he started, he's not really delivered quite so much. Um, and yet the, the impact that he had today, and we'll come on to talk about how the game changed and, and the credit that I think has to go to the management team for that. But a really interesting the, the, the one that surprised me was um, was Patterson getting a getting a start because one of the criticisms of Gerard has been that he's got his favourites and it doesn't matter how bad they play, they, they don't get dropped. What did you think of, of Patterson's performance? Obviously, he he set up the, the first goal with an absolutely stunning stunning ball in, but were you impressed? Um, I think one of the things that I'd say before going on to talk about Patterson is I don't like to use the word dropped. Um, Gerard spoke um, post-match about needing more players and fans to trust the judgments that he's making. And he's spoken before around load load balancing and load bearing. And I think I think that's what it is when it when it comes to um, rotating between Tav and, and Patterson. We are very fortunate to have two the two best right backs in the league. Um Patterson's a huge prospect. We need to keep him happy. Um, Everton were sniffing around him in the summer. Um, if we don't play Nathan Patterson, he will leave. So so we need to be really careful as to how we manage the game time between Tav and, and Patterson. But as you say, I was surprised when the team sheet came out. I think Frankie actually called it. I think he said that he'd have started Patterson today. Um, I wanted Tav actually um, go against the grain a little bit. I think Tav's had a good season so far. Um, our fullbacks until today haven't been going forward and haven't been given us the same numbers that, that they certainly did last season. Um, but I think Tav's been good. So I was a bit surprised when, when the team sheet came out and Tav wasn't starting. Um, Gerard also said post-match that Today's a game that Patterson can learn a lot from on his own game. I think the cross was inch perfect. Um, you're really eating into my notes now as I'm going to um, go on and kind of talk about the same thing as we as we talk about the goal. Um, it was an inch perfect cross. Um, Kamar Roof had said in his press conference that um, the, the, the strikers positively promote everyone just putting the ball in the box and letting the strikers do their thing. You will not get a better cross than, than, than the one that Patterson put in. But overall, um, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. Um, there was a lot of positive positivity on Patterson on Twitter, and I can understand why, because he's got an engine and he's up and down that line. Um, I don't know. So I was at the game. I don't know if it was as visible when you're watching at the telly and so forth. But um, towards the end of the game, the, the management team were throwing energy bars and throwing um, energy drinks at him because he he put in such a tough shift. Um, that he needed to to, to, to to re-energise himself. I think that's what he gives you. I think he gives you a lot of that energy up and down the line. Um, and that creates a lot of problems. You know, when he goes forward, it creates spaces. It, it you know, it drags players out of position. But his decision-making wasn't great today. Um, there was one shortly after um, his assist where he was running in a similar position. Hadji just passed him. And there was an easy pass to the side to Hadji who, who would have been past the fullback, he should have played that pass, but he, I think he, I don't know if it was a cross or a shot, but it went flying over the bar. And I think that's what you're going to get with Nathan Patterson just now. You're going to get that that rawness. Um, he's not the finished article. Tav, Tav is clearly more polished than what Patterson is. Um, but you need to give him game time. You need to, you need to give him that help to actually um, polish that, that raw talent that he clearly has. And, and hopefully, from Patterson getting some game time today. Hopefully that means that Steve Clark's got um, a real decision on his hands when it comes to international duty. Um, people can't use the excuse that Patterson's not been playing because he got 90 minutes today. So hopefully 
we may see Patterson start for Scotland. Um, if not on Saturday against Israel, then I think the other games against Faroe Islands, I'd be very disappointed if he doesn't feature at some point in those two games. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. And it goes back, actually, quite interesting that you referred to what Gerard said after the game, that there's a lot from that match that Patterson can learn from. Um, and it is that's that, that's the rawness that you refer to that so that that issue um, whereby he had Hadji on his right hand side and he, it was a shot that he just I mean, no one here was a really silly decision to make and um, Clive Tilsley on commentary made the comment that he can't even look at Hadji after he's made that decision as it was such a bad call um, so there is a huge amount for him to learn the potential is is staggering and I, I guess with a, a a player doing that role with you know the, the age and the limited experience that Patterson has, there's always going to be a bit of hot and cold throughout the game. But um, ultimately, he's delivered the moment that's uh, really changed the game for us and um, a, a massive, massive contribution. And uh, I didn't know that about you know throwing energy gels and drinks and bars at him, but um, you wouldn't have been surprised if he'd been pulled off for, for Tavernier to come on. Yeah. Tavernier's got a decent record against Hibs. Um, it wouldn't have been a shock. So I think it's a real credit to, to Patterson that he that he done the whole ninety minutes. Now, the game started very frustratingly for Rangers. Uh, nine minutes in, Nisbet gets the, the opening goal for Hibs. And it's a strange one because Bonabarasic doesn't stop the cross coming in. I think that's the first issue. Then Nisbet finds himself completely unmarked, free header. A lovely little goal, knocks it back across McGregor and, and, and Rangers find themselves 1-0 down. It felt to me, certainly on again, watching it on Rangers TV, there was a lot of talk about how Barisic should have done more. But from my perspective, there were three defenders in the centre of that box, none of whom picked him up. How did you see that goal? Um, so I've not seen it back since the game. So it's it's that real-time, only seeing it once view that I have. Um, firstly, I, I don't think Barisic was the first error in the build-up to the game. Um, I think there was three. I think the first one actually is on the right-hand side. I think it was Doig who was going up the left-hand side and there was a bit of confusion around whether Hadji should press him or whether Patterson should press him, and that allowed him to come further up the park. Um, when I talk about that rawness and, and Patterson, um, personally, I would want him to to really attack that ball. And I think it was just that indecision um, between the two players. And I think somebody of more confidence and experience would have would have pressed. But that allowed it then to go to the, the opposite side of the park. And as you say, Barisic should be closing that down. The, the, the cross in was far too easy. But the biggest mistake for me was Nisbet was standing inside the box with so much space, so much space that he could actually pick his header. Um, I sit in Copeland. Um, from my view, it looked like Lindstrom was the player closest to him. But Goldson, that's Goldson's man. We should have somebody really close to Nisbet. He's, he's their main striker. He's you know a player that we've scouted for many, many years. We know what Nisbet brings. We should have somebody press tight on him. And, and not allowing him to have that much space and time to pick out his header. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It was was at Lundstrom, uh, Patterson, and Goldson just just floating in the middle of the box. And you think that one of those guys would be would be picking him up? It was Shelley Kerr at half time was saying, "You're a defender, and a cross ball's coming in. You're stood there thinking, do I have a man? If I don't have a man, that's a problem. Three boys yep. there didn't have a man. Uh, it's, to me, it's it's criminal kind of." Kamikaze defending, uh, and it, it felt at that point that this is a familiar pattern. This is a familiar performance of Rangers in 2021, 2022. Um, 
And I was starting to get very, very frustrated until our saviour, Ryan Porteous, comes along. Um, and I'll be honest, I was saying to Frankie before we come on here, the angle that I, that we saw on Rangers TV, the, the angle from the main stand of the camera, um, I didn't think it was a red card at first. I thought it was a fairly rash challenge, fairly out of control, but I didn't see a huge amount of dangerous or, or, or violent intent to it. Uh, and then you see the replay, and uh, my, my opinion changed. How did you view that Porteous challenge on a rebo? Yeah, well, this one I have seen back, um, because as I left the stadium um, and I was catching up on WhatsApp, there was videos of this one doing the rounds. And, and I agree with you, when, when we were sitting inside the stadium, um, we thought it was a rash, aggressive challenge, but we weren't sure how much contact there was. It's not until you, you look at the, the video and the many angles um, that you see he goes over the top of the ball, he's got his studs shown, it's actually his thigh, so when there's talk about, you know, he won the ball, it was his thigh that won the ball, um, he goes over the top of the ball, his studs are shown, he does catch a rebo, um, but in another day, if he catches a rebo um, with more contact, that's a broken leg, and I'm sorry, but that's that's the law, if it's an overly aggressive challenge that could risk injury to a player, it's a red card, and um, I think Jack Ross was was quite clever, in his post-match interview, he deflected the question onto the referee's angle and said he wasn't sure how the referee could make the decision from his angle. Um, the referee made the right decision and I think Jack Ross was being qu- quite quite clever around how he answered that and not not um, not throwing his player under the bus. Um, for me, it was a red card and as I said already, it went on to change the game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually looking at a still for it here and you're right in that he does he makes contact with the ball because his his legs rolled over the top of the ball so his his foot which is up and studs showing is naturally higher than the, the height of a football which is halfway up to Aribo's shin you know and that is yeah that's a leg-breaking challenge on another day there's, there's absolutely no question that that's a red card and it, it, it did change the game didn't it it forced Hibbs to to uh, take off Scott Allen um, make a change change their, their shape and Welsh Rangers have had a lot of the ball. We haven't really created anything, and, and Hibs were, uh, you know, absolutely looking looking fairly dangerous. Um, but the the red card totally changed the game. Um, it, the Rangers were definitely growing into it stronger in the last five ten minutes. That first half, I thought we looked very very dangerous. Didn't manage to find a breakthrough. Half time probably came at a bad time for us. Um, and the second half gets going again. We're definitely on top. We definitely have the momentum with it looking more likely. But nothing happens until Gerard changes the game, takes off Kamara and brings on Kamara Roof. Um, now, for me, we'll come on. To, we'll talk about the goal and, and, and the second goal in a moment. One of the key criticisms of Stephen Gerrard and the management team over the last couple of seasons has been: if things aren't going well, he doesn't change it soon enough. Surely, we need to be sort of praising and, and, and giving a bit of credit to the management team for, for changing the game here? A hundred percent. Steven Gerrard knows more about football than than, than all 50,000 Rangers fans inside the stadium put together. I think I think that needs to be said, first of all. Um, but massive credit because when the the board went up and it was Tamara going off and um, Ruth coming on, I was, I was a bit nervous. And, and one of the reasons why I was nervous is... Um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Gerard's substitutions. Um, sometimes one of my criticisms is that we go a bit gung-ho and it's almost like a bit of lack of composure when you're trying to get that goal that he just he just throws 
every striker at his disposal onto the pitch. And he sometimes forgets that when you've got all those strikers on the pitch, one, it means that Hibs can can go deeper and, and kind of sit in tighter. And two, it stops the creativity coming into, um, into the strikers. So I was a bit critical um, that he was going with Roof and he would have, you know, Roof, Morelos, Hadji and Wright as a kind of front four. But he, the formation was slightly tweaked and it looked more like it was a 4-4-2. And I think, I think as you say, um, it, it, it certainly changed the outcome of the game. And, you know, we're going to come on and talk about the goal. One of the things that um, Alan Aitken, um, that, that listens to the show, was saying beforehand um, was that we had two number nines then on the pitch. And I think that was a big difference with Ruth. You know, we're going to go on and talk about the goal, but when you've got Ruth and Morelos on the pitch, you've then got two proven goal scorers on the pitch. I'm a big fan of Hadji and I, big, and I like Scott Wright. Um, I'm not a big fan of Scott Wright. I like Scott Wright. I'll, you know, we'll come on to Scott Wright a wee bit later. Um, but they don't look dangerous. You know, when they get the ball, they're there to create the chances. I don't see them as real goal threats right now. Um, when Roof came on, he gave us that goal threat. He certainly did. And, and just for the for the benefit of Alan Aikman, who listens to the show, I absolutely agree with, with everything you've just said. Um, <laughs> it, is, it was a, a, a lovely goal, actually, that, that first goal. And as we say, the ball in from, from Patterson was inch perfect. It was a strange one in that Kamar Roof, much in the same way that Nisbet did in the first half, Kamar Roof found himself in, in acres of space. Was this poor defending or was this kind of... Kamar Roof has the habit of finding space in the most crowded of penalty boxes. Is it a sort of a gift that he seems to have? How did you see this one? I wouldn't want that fallen to, to anyone else in that pitch. Um, you said it earlier on, Kamar Roof is our... He, he gives you a lot of movement. So he's, he's, he's the best player for movement um, out of all our strikers that we've got at our disposal. Um, so yes, he's given us that movement, but he's also the most natural finisher out of him and Morelos. Um, when that fell to Ruth, you've got confidence he's going to find the back of the net. I'm not, I'm not as confident if that landed to Morelos that Morelos would have been as composed to pick his spot the way that Ruth done. Um, but as I said already, that's why you've got two number nines, and you know Morelos then went and showed you what he can do. Um, and I think it was really important today. For our, for our, for our centre-forwards, for our number nines, to get the goals today. Um, we've not scored as many goals. I don't have the stat in front of me, but somebody sent me a stat that said if you take the um, the cup game out of the equation, um, we, we I can't remember exactly how many goals it is, but we have not scored a lot of goals this season. Um, and I think a large part of that is because our, our, our centre-forwards, our goal scorers, are not, not the ones finding the net. Um, I think that goal will do both Ruth and Morelos the world of good. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, Tilsley was referring to that as well. The it's just that the strikers are. I think it was Morelos' second week goal of the season. Um, it's it, it, it's so out of character for for our strikers. They were so all conquering last season. Um, the second goal, then Morelos gets the gets the winner. Twelve minutes from from full time, um, and I suppose in a way a relatively similar goal to our first. A, a, a superb pinpoint cross from Borna Barisic, who I must admit I thought was having a poor game. Up until certainly up until the second half, anyway. Um, Morelos gets gets up well, does what he needs to do, beats his man, and, and yes, their keeper, who I thought had a good game, should have done more at that point, should have kept the ball out. But certainly, we would we would take it. Is this a bit of a throwback to last season of of the fullbacks putting quality balls in the box for the strikers to attack? Yeah, both goals assisted by our fullbacks today was definitely reminiscent of of last season. 
Um, I was on the podcast after the, the Celtic game, and I spoke about Barisic's assist um, for the for the Hollander um, goal from the corner. Um, I spoke about his reaction. Borna Barisic was was delighted. I don't know if, if it was visible on Rangers TV and it, it'll be visible on sports scene, but Borna Barisic was delighted with his assist. Um, like the Celtic game, he ran across the full um, front of Copeland, um, celebrating in front of the fans. And he ended up crowd surfing um, in front of um, Morelos. So it was him that was right in the crowd. He he was loving that and I think he needed it. I think, you know, I, I spoke after the Celtic game about um, hoping that that would be Borna's St Mirren moment again for the season. And, and I'm going to say the same thing again. I think there's a few players in our team that just aren't, aren't doing it this season. And Barisic is one of them. I'm just hoping that that's one of those moments that really kind of kickstarts his, his season and gives him a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Born as a confidence player, so I'm, I'm hoping that that does give him, um, give him that bit of give, give him a bit of confidence. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, he's a world class fullback, as demonstrated by the fact that he is a, an international player for the the Croatian national team, a world class international football side. That he is such a, a fickle confidence player because you're right, it's a mirror moment. I, I remember him putting that free kick in. And it just kick-started this season. Um, is it possible, you know, th- today's game was highly intense. Um, and you could see the reaction from Gerard at the end. We'll come on to that again in a moment. Some of the players were clearly absolutely thrilled with that result um, and worked hard for it as well. Because as everyone says, it's not easy to play against 10 men. It's certainly not easy to play against a side that have gone 1-0 up because we know that Scottish sides are just going to sit back and contain. Um is it possible that it's such a sort of significant result today, not just for Barisic, not just for one or two other confidence players, could this be the turning point of the season for us to now kick on and go on, start putting performances together, start to really click in a way that, okay, we've been getting the results, but we haven't been getting the performances so far? I tell you what, I would rather be not getting the performances, but getting the results than, than our neighbours across the other side of the city who... Um, you know, they keep playing Ange ball and they're getting all the plaudits for how well they're playing, but they're not picking up the results. Give me the three points any day of the week. You know, there was talk um, getting into today's game that um, it was a must-win game. Um, if we lost the game or dropped points today, it would be a mini-crisis. Um, I get that. I, I really do get that. But, you know, we are sitting top of the league. Um, again, Lundstrom referred to in his, his post-match press conference today that we haven't been fully clicking. I don't know why we're not fully clicking at the moment, um, but one of the things that he said was, we're getting there. Um, and I think when we do get there, um, and I have every faith in this team, this management team, the group of players to get there. And I think when we do get there, we will be unstoppable again. It's a, it's a strange thing because I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm so conscious now. I've got Alan's like, tweets on me saying I can't say I absolutely agree, but I do completely agree with you that um, it, it just feels like things need to click. Um, you could see it in the first 15, 20 minutes today, passes were going astray. We just couldn't link things together. And then by the end of the game, it was all working. It was all flowing. Everyone was on the right on the right page. Um, it does feel like there has to be a point at which everything will click, everything will gel, and we will go on a run. Because I said it on the podcast last week, last season was incredible for us for so many reasons. But we played our best football maybe in the first sort of 12 to 15 games of last season, there were periods, particularly after Christmas, where the football wasn't great. 
and where we ground out results. And sometimes we didn't ground something. You know, we dropped points to the likes of Hamilton. and uh, It wasn't always all-conquering. And so if we now kick on and have a good 5, 10, 15 games, people forget the, the sort of poor quality football that, that we're playing at the moment. And let's not forget we're, what, one or two points worse off than we were last year. It's, it's, it's not a bad position to be in. Um, that said, Dougie, we now come to the international break. We haven't got a game next weekend. We haven't got a game until the 16th when we take on Hearts. Again, on paper, the toughest game that we'll have had this season, uh, looking at their form and where they are in the league. It's a bit of a cliched question, but after a result like that today, is the international break coming at a good time or a bad time for Rangers? Um, I hate to keep going on about the post-match press conferences, but I loved John Lindstrom's comment when he said that he'd love a game next week. Um, I think he's a player who's starting to grow into the Rangers jersey and he was very deserving of his, his Man of the Match awards. Um, I also like this comment that Rangers are a must-win football club. I think it's his signs that he's really starting to, to get it, get what it means to play for Rangers. Um, but as for the international break, um, I do think it's coming at a good time. It allows us to regroup and hopefully it allows us to have um, the likes of Ryan Kent return um, from injury. And he, he he will make a massive difference to us. Um, I think we, we have missed Ryan Kent, albeit he has been off form. Um, I'm just hoping that we come back injury-free and COVID-free from the international break because I think that's massively important. Yeah, and we don't seem to have had much luck, not necessarily with internationals, but certainly with injuries and COVID. It has it's taken more of an impact this season than it did a year ago. Um, one final thing on, on today's game, and I, I just have to concur with what you say about John Lundstrom. I mean, we had such such high hopes and expectations in pre-season when he looked he looked excellent and a cut above. Very difficult start to the domestic campaign, but he's really grown into that role. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he battled through that. And um, there was a funny comment from, from Gerard in his post-match press conference where he sort of said, yeah, that I don't want to take all the credit for this, but we left him out midweek so that he was ready yeah. for today. And it, it worked. And, and it's, it's things like that that you, you have to acknowledge the intellect of that management team. Gerard after the game was clearly very emotional, very passionate, uh, pumped up, and, and wanted to celebrate that result. I know one or two of the players were, were doing the same, and you'd have got a great view of that where you were Ibrox. We've seen this once or twice before, notably when he's grabbing the camera at, um, at Parkhead after we, we beat them for the first time in the league there. Um, is this something that you like to see from Gerard? Do you like to see that passion? Um, notably, it didn't end well for us that season. After he after he done so on Sky Sports, but is this something that you think should should be encouraged? Do you like seeing that side of Gerard, or would you rather it was a bit more reserved? No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I think it shows how important the three points were today. That was a a must win game today against um, one of our nearest challengers, um, and it was especially must win considering our nearest challengers did win this weekend. Mm -hmm. Hearts. Um, these are the results for me that 55 was built on. You know, looking at today's result, um, we ground it out today. It's not always pretty football. It's not always big results. Sometimes you need to fight it out and you need to win by one goal. And when you see the players and you see the management team celebrating the way that they did today, um, they know that today was a massive three points. And um, one of the things for me about the international break is you get the, the, the ability to set yourself short-term targets 
And I'm sure, certainly from a league perspective, we would have set ourselves a short-term target to finish on as many points as what we possibly could. Taking us into the international break, top of the league with that momentum, that's huge. You know, we're sitting top of the league right now um, for the international break. And when we come back, we've got the opportunity to play against the team that's our, our nearest challengers, um, sitting second. We go and beat Hearts, we start to create that gap um, from, from the next the next team below us. And, and for me, we've not started brilliantly. Um, but you called it earlier on, we are only one point different to what we were last season. <laughs> what many crisis? Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting point, I think, psychologically then, that if, if we do win our next game, we have opened up a gap and we've given ourselves that breathing room already. Um, and I, I think it was probably around about this time a year ago that um, it was ball and golly, wasn't it, that, that jetted off to, to Spain and things started to unravel. And it, to build that gap again, it's it's so important as we then move towards the Christmas period. Um, I, I, I guess one question that I wouldn't have let you prepare for is, are you pleased with where we are at this point of the season? I guess on paper, yeah, we're in a very strong position. One of the things I spoke about, um, and one of, I think it was the end of season pod, it was either the end of season pod or the, the very first podcast this season, I spoke about our ambitions for the season. And for me, last season's ambition and objective was a league. Nothing else, the league. The league was a must-win. It was a must-win to stop the the 10. Um, but it was a must-win to bring back the, um, the the trophy back to Ibrooks. When you look at the objectives for this season, for me, um, it's about a double. It's about it's about um, winning the league again. We're sitting top of the league. I will take that. We've got the breathing space um, on Celtic. I think six points that we've got on Celtic. Huge opportunity after the international break to get the um, the breathing space on Hearts. I would absolutely take that. And we're going to Hamden for a, a semi-final. I would take that all day long. The one blip so far is, is Europe. Um, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but the Malmo game was, was massive for me. Um, we've spoken previously around financial dependencies and the realistic um, reliance on um, on the finances within Scottish football. And I think Gerard made reference to it after the Sparta Prague game when he when he said that um, we've not been able to spend any money in the last two windows. A lot of people seen that as a dig at the board. Um, I don't think that's a dig at the board. I think that is Gerard trying to to be realistic. We've we've not been able to go and add that one player that that's real quality that goes in and and adds that strength to our starting eleven. I've went on and on and on about Joey Veerman. Um, Someone like Joey Veerman would have came in and been, been a key player in our, our, our midfield three. Um, the Malmo game stopped us from, from going and having that, that one key player and that one key signing. And what it does is it sets our, um, our progression back 12 months because if we win the league this season and we go into the Champions League, we'll be in that position. And that's why it's so important that we win the league this season because we need to get Champions League football so if we do and we get Champions League football next year, then the inevitable happens. We then have the finances that allows us to go and strengthen the team that we needed this season. The unfortunate thing and why it's a bit of a frustration for me is we've just delayed the inevitable. When you see the Malmo results just now in Europe, 
they are the whipping boys of the group. Um, there is a huge difference in quality between the Europa League and the Champions League. Malmo are suffering from that right now, and I'm sure if Rangers went into the Champions League, we'd be sitting bottom of the group and we'd be the whipping boys. But it had given us the finances that allowed us to make that key sign in this season and another key sign in next season. So unfortunately, in my opinion, from a realistic perspective, what it does is it just it, it just delays us being the whipping boys of the Champions League next season. And I think I think that's that's what a lot of fans have to be a little bit realistic on. Um, but it will give us much needed finances. It allows us to strengthen the team. Um, we are then in Europa League um, and we have not started particularly well. Um, there's a guy that sits next to me, David, um, who made the point going into the Sparta-Prague game when, when people were talking about the points that Sparta were on or um, you know the position that they're in. We'd be in that position as well if we started against Bromby. I think a lot of people have to recognise that we started our campaign against you know, not only the the pot one um, seed for the Europa League group stage that we're in, but they're also the third joint favourites for the tournament. So the Leon game is not the game that we expect to take three points from. We did, however, expect to get something from the Sparta-Prague game. And I, I know we're going to go on and talk about Sparta, um, but our Europa League performances so far have been a disappointment. We're sitting two games in with zero points. Um, under Gerard, that's our worst performance um, so far in, a, in, in the Europa League. So we we can naturally feel a little bit disappointed um, with our performances so far in the Europa League. But I still have faith in, in this team and um, I won't go in too much because I know we're going to talk about Sparta Prague, but I believe that we can still qualify from this group. Well, I think we're, we're, we're there and we're, we're ready to talk about it. And uh, the, the point that you make about we started against Leon, I I must admit, and I did the preview show um for that Leon game, we had a chat called Tom Abadi came on from hmm. um, Cafe de Commerce, which is an uh, a, a Leon fanzine, and he does an English speaking Leon podcast. And he was so confident; um, he knew that they were a good team. And it was only when I was doing my research for that show, I looked at their squad and seen some of the players that they had. So that was a world class team that, that they had, yeah. and I, I think a lot of us probably underestimated underestimated that. Um, so we can put that to one side because Leon will win this group and Leon will go deep, deep, deep into this comp- uh, this competition. But Sparta, um, look, with, with no disrespect to, to Bromby, Rangers and Sparta are the two teams fighting out for second place. They have to be. Um, yeah. And so this was this was naturally probably one of the two biggest games we're going to have in, in, in this group competition. Uh, we go over to, to Prague in the Czech Republic um, and we've got bad history, bad recent history with Czech teams, again, that we will come on to in, in a moment. Um, and things don't go well. Another very, very poor performance, in my opinion. Um, started okay, but then didn't create anything and reverted to type. And, and it was very static, very turgid, very, very sloppy. Conceded a set-piece goal, could have been avoided. Um, generally, how did you how did you view that game and how did you feel afterwards? Um, dejected. I seen another stat, which again I can't remember what the stat was, but it was about the um, the percentage of goals, goal opportunities created, and it was something like zero point zero two. We created nothing in that game, and I think that was the biggest disappointment for me. Um, I didn't want to go back to Prague anytime soon. We're going to go on to. It. I just wanted to stay away from Prague, um, but when the job was made, I felt that we had a real point to prove. Um, I wanted us to go and show 
um, the Czech Republic that we are a very good football team and I wanted us to put them in their place. And the reason why I felt so dejected is we did not do that. Um, we have not been ourselves this season. We've spoke about it already and we've spoke about the fact that we're hoping that we get that moment where it suddenly clicks and, and we get into, into gear. Um, but Sparta Prague was very reminiscent of, of, of our performances. It was very symbolic of our performances this season. Um, it was it was pedestrian. It was predictable. Um, one of the big things for me is, you know, Ryan Kent this season has not been great. Again, I spoke with Ryan Kent earlier, but Ryan Kent this season wasn't great. Um, but one of the things that Ryan Kent does give you um, in the big games is that ball-carrying ability. He drops deep, he gets the ball, and he drives with it. Um, I think it's games like Sparta Prague that um, that we really, really miss Ryan Kent's ability. Um, but going back to the comment from, from Stephen Gerrard about load-bearing and trusting his process, um, I was surprised by the team sheet. I was very surprised by the team sheet. I was surprised that Morelos didn't play. Um, he's only scored his two goals, second um, today in, in the league. But he is our Europe, European talisman. Um, Gerard referenced it last season in, in one of his post-match press conferences that the Europa League seems to be his competition. Um, he raises his game in, in this competition. And I think it's because of the spotlight that's put on it and the fact that it is... European wide, he wants to get his name out there. That's you know that's what Morelos is all about. So I was surprised to, to not see him play, and it, and it felt to me like we were deprioritizing the Europa League, and we were prioritizing today's game. And it's not worked out on Thursday night, and it's worked out today. I don't know how I feel about us sitting in zero points in the Europa League, but sitting top of the league because the league is our priority again this season to get the Champions League. So. I, I, I kind of felt feel myself a wee bit conflicted that we did rotate the team and we did lose as a result. But, you know, as a result of us resting players, we've then gone and won today and we're sitting top of the league. So I'm a bit conflicted. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am. I'm feeling a bit conflicted about, about Thursday night, but I am very, very disappointed to, to come away um, with with nothing. We We had players missing. Um, but I listened to the um, the pre-show podcast um, ahead of Thursday night's game, where we had the the the, the Czech um, specialist uh, on on the show, and um, he made it clear that Sparta Prague were missing players as well. So that was two teams that weren't at their best, um, and they came out they came out they came out the best um, on the night. I think it's a huge game um, when it comes back to Ibrooks and I. I want the fans to be electric that night. I want. I, I, I honestly can't tell you how much I hate Sparta Prague right now, and I will, I, I expect a, a rocking, um, fierce atmosphere um, at Ibrox that night. Yeah, I think I think you make a really good point about team selection and deprioritizing, and and I'm I'm the same as you. I don't necessarily know if I agree with the decision. I mean, actually, long term. Probably just about to, um, and that's for the reasons that we've already said. You know, we started it with our hardest game. Uh, yeah. We haven't played the, the the easiest team, let's say, in the group. And again, no disrespect to Bromley, so I don't I don't know that I agree with it, but I absolutely understand it if that makes sense. Um, it's it's a really strange one, and the game. There's probably no point in us discussing the game in too much depth because it's it's very similar to other games that we've had this season so far, and it's it's just a wee bit depressing if we do that, but. In terms of our prospects within the group, I mean, none of us 
particularly want to drop into the Conference League. Right, fair enough. If we do drop into the Conference League, I'm sure we'll have a, a wonderful away day somewhere and, and we'll all go and enjoy it. But we want to be a European uh, Europa League side for as, as long as possible. We, we want to believe that we can go further than we did last season. Um, given that we still have the home game against Sparta to come, we still have two ties against Bromby to come, how do you feel about our, our chances of progression? Well, one of the things that you just said there around um, you expect to get the points from the Bromby game, the result against Sparta Prague puts a lot of pressure on us to get the points now. I think if we got the result, even if it was a draw in Prague, we'd have had less pressure in the Bronby games, they now become must-win games. We must beat Bronby in those both games um, to stand any chance of qualifying. If we don't, we don't go through. I think it's that simple. Um, those two games are massive. The Sparta-Prague game is, is huge. Um, I've just spoken about what I what I want from the support and what I want from the players um, when, when Sparta-Prague come to town. But we've not spoken about the Leon game. Leon come to us in the last round of fixtures, you have to hope that Leon are through. You have to hope that they're comfortably top and you have to hope that they've got a really tough game. I've not, I've not looked at their fixtures, but you have to hope that they've got a really tough game after us and therefore they don't play their full-strength team and we can get something from that game that, that potentially is the difference. Um, in terms of my, uh, my, my, my prospects, I will always back Rangers. I will always back this team. Um, I've I, I seen an altercation um, between Michael Beale and a supporter tonight on, on Twitter where Michael Beale bit back and, and, and demanded that we, we get behind these players. These players demand our respect. These players and this management team brought Title 55 back to us. Um, I have every faith in, in this group of players um, and I hope that they, they really do go and um, press in the, the remaining games of the Europa League and we do qualify. Um, but the Conference League is a new competition this season and it does give us that contingency that if we do not qualify for the Europa League, that there is a prospect of, of European football after Christmas and a albeit lesser competition. Um, but the finances between the Europa League and the Conference League are not vast. It is it is not huge differences. And when you look at the teams between the Europa League and the Conference League, I would expect us to do a bit better in the Conference League. You spoke there about um, hoping that we can beat our um, last 16 performance of last season. One of the things I, I said on Twitter recently was when, when, when Stephen Gerrard referenced the fact that we've not spent any money in the last two transfer windows, one of the points that I think he was he was making is that if you want to progress in this competition, you need to keep strengthening every single year. And I am a little bit realistic right now. The fact that we have not strengthened suggests that we are not much better than what we were then. And therefore, I don't think we can expect this team to keep qualifying for the last 16 of a, of a major European competition and even expect to go further. So worst case scenario, if we do drop down to the Conference League, there's a bit more realism around the opposition and I would like to think that we'd be in the top group of teams in that competition and you never know. It might be a UEFA Cup run of 2008 all over again where we, we're disappointed to go out of the Champions League. We fall down to the, the lesser competition a wee bit disappointed but it goes on to be a very memorable season. 
I don't know. I would rather be in the Europa League, but I'm just I'm just not being Mr. Pessimistic right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair way of looking at it. And I think I'm right in saying that in 2007-2008, in the Champions League group that we got knocked out of, we were put out by Lyon. Uh, so it might just be that all of these things are coming home to roost. Um, obviously, it wasn't a positive night in Czech Republic for, for footballing reasons. Um, sadly, that has taken a back seat once again. Uh, when, look, after the Slavia game last season um, and all of the ugliness and the bitterness that, that came from that, which lasted a long, long time, weeks and months of fallout from that, um, footballing bans that then excluded players from, from a number of games, a really kind of bleak period for, for, for Rangers, for European football, for the Czech Republic football. It's a horrible incident. None of us wanted to see a team from the Czech Republic coming out in our group. And uh, it's it's immediately what we got. Immediately we're, we find ourselves going back to Prague. Sparta themselves had a stadium ban, a stadium closure for racially abusing a player from Monaco earlier in the Champions League qualifiers this season, uh, but get special dispensation from UEFA to allow 10,000 school children from the Prague area to attend. Um, I don't know about you, Dougie, but for me, it was obvious within the, within the first what, three or four minutes that every time Glenn Kamara touched that ball, he was getting abused. So the booing went on constantly until Kamara got himself sent off. Um, harshly, in my opinion, got sent off, but that's, that's kind of by the by. Um, there was some booing, I felt, for every black player, um, whether that was because uh, just the, the racism is so prevalent they don't like any of, of Rangers black players, or perhaps more depressingly, they didn't know which black player was Kamara, therefore we'll boo them all. I don't know which I would prefer to be the case. Um, but it was it was incredibly obvious. Then photos emerged after the game of a kid holding a I'm on Team Kudela placard and uh, stories from uh, one of Rangers sponsors, a Czech guy who was at the game about the racist conversations he heard between a, a, a mother and a child and, and, and all these kinds of things. We find ourselves talking once again about Glenn Kamara being a victim of racist abuse in a football game against the Czech Republic side. Um, it's utterly shocking and sickening that the average age of the crowd was 10 <laughs> and, and this is the demographic that's, that's perpetrating this abuse what was your, your immediate response to this incident? Um, before I go on and talk about the disgusting scenes I think I think I have to pay tribute to Glenn Kamara um, Glenn Kamara's handled both situations with a level of professionalism that I think demands um, applauded from, from, from everyone and I think there's a lot of people around, a lot of footballers around around Europe that have that have certainly paid their respects to Glenn Kamara on social media. Um, he didn't warrant his yellow cards, um, but he went off without fuss. And that's the level of professionalism that we expect from a Rangers player. So first of all, um, my respect to Glenn Kamara, and I think it's 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 sad um, that a young player is having to go through this. And I have every faith that the Rangers management team will be. Um, putting their arm around a youngster and, and, and supporting them through um, what must be a really awful time just now. So, um, massive respect to Glenn Kamara. In terms of the shocking scenes, it's depressing. Let's be honest, it's 2021. We're talking about school children. Um, as you say, Ross, it was, it was obvious very early doors. Um, I think I tweeted about the seventh minute of the game 
that um, Glenn Kamara was being booed every single time that he he picked up the ball. Um, the difficulty that we have is um, proving it's racist. That's that's the the tough reality. Um, the narrative is being set right now within um, within Czech Republic and by Sparta Prague that they were booing a player who was dirty um, against them and dirty against their rivals. Um, and fair, to be fair, to, fair to be fair, fair to their credit, um, came out and rubbished that and, 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 and fully backed Glenn Kamara. I hope UEFA, I, I apologise to anyone listening, um, I hope UEFA see through Sparta Pride bullshit um, because that's what it was. Um, they were racially abusing Glenn Kamara. Um, they targeted him from the first, the first whistle, um, booing is every touch and the argument that he was dirty in a previous match against um, a Czech team doesn't wash with me um, I was chatting to my dad about it at today's game that's like a Celtic player being sent off um, and then we playing against um, the other team and um, booing the player that got a Celtic player sent off <laughs> what kind of rivalry do they have in Czech Republic? Because the last time I checked, the, the Slavia-Sparta-Prague rivalry is pretty significant. It's pretty intense. Um, to say that they were then booing him because of his actions in the Slavia-Prague game, don't wash with me. I think it was Alan Burrows, who's the Motherwell CEO, who said on, on Twitter um, that football is a reflection of society. Um, and I think what we've seen here is a glimpse into the Czech Republican Czech Republic society. Um, you just need to look at social media after the game. Um, go and look at Glenn Kamara's Instagram page and you'll see monkey emojis and banana emojis and tell me that's not a, a country that's steeped in racism. There was sick comments on my own Twitter account after I put the comment on um, around Glenn Kamara um, from people from Czech Republic. There are some massively deep-rooted issues that we will never be able to sort, that football will never be able to sort. But football shines that light and how UEFA handle this will dictate how seriously this is dealt with, um, both by football, but, but, but by, um, by their own country. Um, without bringing up old ground, the, the, um, the punishment of Kadela wasn't severe enough. The punishment of Slavia Prague was not severe enough. The fact that Kadela could have met Glenn Kamara um, on their return, and they made the return in the same match week in the Europa League, tells you everything you need to know about the length of ban. You know, you had one player who was um, racist, and you have another player who was a victim of a racist attack returning from suspension in the same day. For me, UEFA have blood in their hands. They have not handled this um, severe enough, and say no to racism is, is the motto of football. Kick it out, call it out. It is, it's disgusting and it, and, and it sickened me um, in the Slavia game and it sickened me again that we're still talking about this in 2021. Um, we can't force Czech Republic or Sparta Prague to do anything, but UEFA can. And I tell you what, I am. Glasgow will be, Rangers will be. I think a lot of European football right now will be watching how UEFA handle this and the need you know, the fact that, you know, as you say, the, the, the Sparta-Prague game is behind closed doors as such because of the racist attack on the Monaco player to then 
um, as a gesture of goodwill, allowed 10,000 school children into the stadium to then go on and, and, and have another racist attack on, on a player. Um, it needs clamped down. It needs it needs tackled in, in the strongest possible manner. Um, Fair have called for expulsion. Um, and I wouldn't be against that. That's how strongly I feel against racism. I, I don't think that's... Um, that's an unfair um, ask of UEFA. And I'm not saying that from a Rangers qualification perspective because that was a narrative by some people in the Slavia Prague game and there was talk of Slavia Prague being expelled from um, from the Europa League. I don't want Rangers... I didn't want Rangers to go through um, as a result of Slavia Prague last season going out. I was quite happy with the team who, who drew Slavia Prague to get a bye. Um, and I'm not saying it again now for Rangers to have a better chance of qualification. I'm saying it because racism needs tackled. I, th- I think you're absolutely right that, that football shines a light on these societal, sociological problems. One of the, the most depressing aspects of this has been the lack of appetite from within the Czech Republic to address this or to even acknowledge it or accept it. You know, the, the Sparta Prague statement, which mm. was stop attacking our children, stop attacking our players, first of all, right? But stop attacking our children, which was roundly endorsed by Slavia Prague. Um, again, making a, a, an absolute mockery of, of, of that rivalry. Um, then the was it the the Interior Minister or some minister from the Czech Republic summons the British Commissioner uh, because it's you know the, the the lies that are being spread about Prague school children are, are damaging Czech society. It's it's absolutely nonsense. There's no attempt to even acknowledge this racist problem exists. Um, and then that brings us to UEFA, the punishment for Slavia Prague. I mean, what, I don't remember that there was a punishment for Slavia Prague. The player gets a, a suspension, but there's no punishment for the, the club that closed ranks around him, that refused to engage, refused to acknowledge, refused to accept what he had done. Um, so UEFA, I, I have zero confidence, and I don't know about you, do you have any confidence that they were... And actually, you made the point earlier that there's no way to prove that that booing was for racism. Now, the, the the argument that I've seen put forward by a lot of, I have to say, fans of other Scottish football clubs, that's another depressing angle to this that we, we haven't got time to go into, but fans of other Scottish football clubs are putting forward this argument that the 10,000 tickets were handed out to Prague school children, not just Sparta Prague fans. Therefore, there would have been some Slavia Prague fans there. They were booing Kamara because he got their player suspended by falsely claiming racism. So that's the mental gymnastics now that we're getting to to, to try and justify the racist booing. The problem is UEFA can hide behind that. UEFA can take that and say, we can't prove that these kids are being racist. Um, I don't know, do you have any faith that anything will come of this? Or is this just business as usual and UEFA can look the other way? Sadly, it's zero. Yeah, I have very little faith that UEFA will do anything about this and therefore, sadly, it'll continue. Um, there was an England game this season as well. I can't remember who they were playing now. Hungary. Hungary. And and, and, and the same thing happened there again where um, black players were being um, were being targeted. Um, I was chatting to my dad about this at the game today. Um, I went to Prague for my stag do. Um, my dad and my Uncle Derek, who, who I go to the games with, um, we had a brilliant time. And Prague was a fantastic city. It's left a very sour taste in my mouth. And I'll tell you what, the actions of... Um, I, I get the actions of football clubs, right? 
the actions of, of the Czech Republican government in terms of citing the British ambassador and, and the narrative that they are putting on it right now has left a very poor taste in my mouth around mm. the country of, of Czech Republic and, and the city of Prague to the degree of I would never go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so disappointing. There's so many other disappointing facets to it, like uh, no comments at all from any of the kind of political or, or social commentators that are so keen to jump on any incident that's, that's coming from a Rangers perspective. Absolutely none of that, again, to be expected. No support for the club, no support for the player um, has, has been offered. But that's where we that's where we find ourselves. Um, it's, it almost feels a shame to kind of to end today's show and, and what's been a really positive day by by focusing on racism again. But it is it's such an important um, topic for us to, to to look at, and and it's not something that we should allow to to pass by without comment. So uh, I hope that the listeners can forgive us for for kind of having a, a, a sad end to the show there, but. I think it is really, really important. That does bring us to the top of the hour, and uh, I think it's, it's about time that we wrap this one up after a really, really positive day in the league that sees Rangers reclaim the top of the league as we head into the international break. We'll be back with uh, another game on the 16th, Saturday the 16th of October, at home against Hearts, where, as we say, we can really start to put some gap between us and the rest of the pack. A massive thank you, as always, to Dougie for, for giving up the Sunday evening and coming and giving us the, the benefit of his, his wisdom and his insight. And a big thanks as well to everyone who's joined us live tonight on the YouTube stream and giving us their their questions, their comments and their thoughts. Thank you very much for, for being with us this evening. The show will be back next weekend. It's an international break, but there will be a few of us. I think it's Colin, myself and John will be back taking a look at a few things. I imagine we'll look at the uh, the vaccine passport situation as well as appraising the season so far. So please do join us for that. That'll be next Sunday, the 10th of October at 9.30pm on the Jersnet YouTube stream. Until then, please do head over to the website have a look at the content in the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, you can grab all of your Jersnet contributors on the forums there, so please do get involved. Until we're back next week, thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe and have a great week.